What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to another episode of The Kingdom Says. I am your host, as always, Garrett Williams, and I am joined today by my two usual co-hosts. We're all back. We've got Kyle back in action once again. Kyle, how are we doing today, sir? Doing well. Doing well. Back back with you boys. Missed the last one. Sorry about that. We'll have some stuff going on. So, good to be back. Ready to go. Yes, sir. And also, of course, Arrowhead Tom, the resident draft expert on the pod. How's it going, Tom? Uh, really good. I have not skipped out on any bail bonds or uh, anything like that this week. So I'm, I think I'm doing in the upper echelon of Chiefs Kingdom right now. So that'd make uh, that'd make one of us. But a uh, <laughs> member of Chiefs Kingdom has not unfortunately followed those rules. So you know the wolf is on the loose, as they say. Oh, or maybe not, because there was a potential. Maybe he was cornered. I didn't see that. Wolf-y. I didn't see that. The wolf might have been captured. Actually, who knows? The wolf but, might be in the trap. Well, yeah. So we've got a great episode for you guys today, furthering some more draft talk for you here. Last episode with me and Tom, we kind of went over some of the options, the potential round one options for uh, the Chiefs coming up in April here. Uh, we're going to kind of explore some some more positions today, go in depth a little bit more on uh, on a couple key positions that the Chiefs will most likely, if not almost guaranteedly, be adding uh, in this upcoming draft. So... Um, as far as Chiefs news, unfortunately, there hasn't been any since uh, the last time we talked, or past couple weeks, really. The Chiefs have uh, really been all quiet on the Western Front, as they say. Uh, potential rumor mill have been flying. Maybe some more trades are still in the yeah. The hot trade they are confirmed for them, they leave for it. It's a very dead season for the Chiefs right now, fellas. Yeah, it's, it's quite normal for them at this point of the year to go radio silent. I'm not really surprised. Um, I'm surprised we haven't seen any of the internal stuff handled more, but I don't really think they are going to do any of that until they need to. And I think that's kind of what they're waiting on is the next set of chips to fall. They don't, they don't like going into drafts with holes. I don't, they're going to go into this draft with a hole, but there's a possibility that they don't get either of the two options that they originally had planned. It's happened before they had an option. They had an idea for a tackle and then they didn't get that tackle. So they had to go to an adjust and ended up, the Orlando Brown deal. So, like, they have plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. I'm not worried. I just would rather them get it done sooner rather than later. But we're dealing with the Cardinals and the D-Hop scenario, so who the hell knows when they're going to decide to do anything. That franchise, as far as – they were trading Patrick Peterson for, like, eight years or whatever it was, so who knows. Uh, the Odell thing – Odell is Odell, and I don't think you're going to mm-hmm. see Odell sign anything or do that much of anything until likely. later in the summer. Yeah. yeah, so I think this is like, this is the time of the year where it's it's very much hurry up and wait. Um, I think from a franchise standpoint, you're kind of okay if you don't have any movement uh, from one, either of those two before the draft. Um, I, and I think from their position, both from the Cardinals and from the from Odell, like. It makes a it does make a little bit of sense to wait, just because you know that's when teams are gonna go. Oh man, you know we missed out on this receiver. We really need to find a guy. Um, so that comes into, and we'll talk about wide receivers, um, kind of the next week or so coming up. Um, just looking at the the but calendar. Tom, that's all anybody wants to talk about. They've solved yeah. all the other problems. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait till the third. Uh, the third, I'll start dropping some some wide receiver goodness out here into the world. Um, nice. Spoiler alert: there's not a lot of wide receiver goodness in this class. 
Uh, I'm desperate another, for it. Another spoiler. So, I think there's going to be some conflicting views on this pod of uh, uh, these guys. Yeah, there are going to be some <laughs> conflicting views. There's going to be Garrett's view and Kyle's view, and there's going to be the, the right, right view, which right is mine. View, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I knew where that one was going. But Tom, yeah. what do we got on the menu for today and this week uh, as far as some some positions that we're looking at? Yeah, so we talked a lot last week about uh, defensive end and. We're kind of kind of continuing that theme of, of talking about the trenches. You know, we we want to arguably, you know, the most important part of a franchise outside of your quarterback, right, is protecting your quarterback and getting to the other team's quarterback. So um, we've been pumping out the the graphics, the write ups for the offensive tackles this week. We'll have um, some more of those, and then early next week over the weekend, we're gonna throw out some more write ups for some of the defensive ends. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about where the Chiefs are as a franchise with their offensive tackles and defensive ends. Because they've had, um, even though they've brought some guys in, they have had some pretty significant changes there. You have Orlando Brown who who departed, who, you know, you thought could be a, a guy who sticks around for, for a while, and, and that obviously didn't work out. Uh, you have Frank Clark, who's been a, a staple on this defense, and, and we've talked before about the leadership there. And and while he hasn't signed anywhere else, um, you know, it, it – may not be a reunion that happens um again we'll see what happens after the draft sounds like his market will probably warm up once people get a little bit desperate or you know again frank's a vet he's probably going to chill at home come july you know just get, start stretching out second or third preseason game yeah. give Andy. just yeah. after training camp ends and everybody yep. goes back to their yep. facilities for that then you'll see yep. some of those guys what's that yep. you guys got two days left in st joe i'll be right there coach uh, <laughs> but not a reliable option really to to count on. Kind of similar to like yeah. Melvin Ingram last year, how everyone kind of assumed Melvin Ingram mm-hmm. would just be back, and then that didn't yeah. end up happening. So yeah, so you're looking at guys. You know, the idea is you get younger and you want to find some of those those cornerstone pieces. Um, and I wanted to start here because the 2020 um, the 2023 draft does have. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, 2024. <laughs> I'm not. I promise, I'm not. We're not looking ahead that far, or maybe we are. The 2023 draft class, which is the one we are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Tom has a problem. Is... We've already started looking at guys. For <laughs> there, there's some, there's not just some good name. There's some like there's some, some good players, but there's some like all name players from next year. I, anyways, 2023 has to happen first. Um, so we are, um, the, the 2023 class is pretty deep at both offensive tackle and defensive end. Um, and there's a lot of different flavors there. And so I wanted to talk about that. So let's start. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I think the Chiefs, you know, with the Orlando Brown departure, wanted to find long-term stability. We, we heard that term. They gave Juwan Taylor a, a, a four-year deal. Um, he's going to be moving over to left tackle. It's a little bit of an experiment. I personally feel really good about that. Um, you know, but also there's some guys who, you know, maybe later on in the draft, you, you start them at right, you might have to move them to left. Some flexibility. I think one of the things that uh, when you talk about offensive line play for Kansas City, you need to know that, uh, you know, Andy uh, Reed and Andy Heck both love guys who can play multiple spots. So um, let me let me ask you guys, you know, what how do you guys feel about the Chiefs offensive tackle position as it sits right now going into next season sounds like Juwan taylor and maybe luke lucas niang is going to be the right tackle Niang, yeah that, yeah i mean from 
it you know it seems like it's kind of that penciled in right now at Lucas Yang. It's kind of his right tackle job to lose. I mean, there's really no one else in the clubhouse, uh, you know, over him at the moment. It was his job uh, at the beginning of well, like two seasons ago, last season, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But injuries kind of derailed that for him, and there's no other vet kind of tackle on the on the team that you might add in that spot. I think what we got Prince Tega, uh, who might still be. Uh, no, I think he's gone he off somewhere. Free agent. So <laughs> other than that, who? I mean, yeah, but you can only really play him if you can pronounce his name, Garrett. You can only bring him up if. Yeah, that is true. I can't. So, other practice squad potential guys that we might have, um, <laughs> but yeah, not. I mean, not a whole lot of depth even just behind the starters right now at tackle. Um, so that's definitely a key area that you should kind of have to look at. What do you think, Kyle? So here's the thing. I, this may be unpopular for a lot of Chiefs fans. I know a lot of people are worried about Niang at tackle, but I, they seem to really like him, and they really seem to want him to play that position for them. They do. I would not be at all surprised if he's your starting right tackle week one. They'll address tackle depth in this draft. I just don't want everybody to be pissed if it's not the first round. <laughs> That's where I'm at because – if it's not in the first or second round, people are going to lose their mind. And I don't know that the Chiefs view that position as much of an as a whole as everybody else views it as right now. Yeah. And if you've been reading, like, for example, Jeff Schwartz pretty much swears up and down Niang will be your right tackle next year. Barring somebody being brought in that just blows him out of the water definitely his job to lose according to jeff schwartz now jeff's pretty pretty good at a the position of offensive lineman his brother was one of the best to ever play that spot and for this organization so they may know a little bit of stuff about kind of what the thought process is behind that position especially because i think mitch was there when lucas got drafted right at the beginning of that still yeah yeah he was still on the roster yeah so that says at least something you may take it for whatever it is i like i said i'm not i like lucas i said when they were drafted him that i liked the selection then i understood the injury stuff i understood that they were going to have to address the injury stuff because the medical staff reports up from the medical staff at tcu at the time about that medical staff weren't the greatest and there was some conversation about mishandling of that injury and stuff that made it worse which caused the injury that happened that we all saw the year after so which they basically said was the same injury. They just never actually fixed it right, which like that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But he's had, they basically gave him last year as a red shirt year after they tried to start him. He got hurt with that deal. And they were just like, all right, you can red shirt while he's playing fine. We'll go with this for now. <laughs> get fully healthy. We want you to play right tackle, get ready to go, get a whole year, get your, get your body where you want it, get back to full strength. And cause I, the other thing is, when you get hurt like that, and you're that big, it's hard not to get a little out of shape. Mm-hmm. Really it is, hard. It is hard to. It's hard like, for normal people not to get out of shape when they don't get hurt. It's hard to get in shape when you're that big already. <laughs> Listen, as somebody who is that big, uh, sometimes <laughs> maybe not that tall, but as somebody that is big, it's tough, man. <laughs> yeah, um, I can imagine. So, uh, this is. Yeah, so let's talk about the the tackle 
uh, class just real quick. I'm going to start with two guys who I think are exclusively right tackles. Uh, you, I don't think they have flexibility unless you maybe want to move one of one of them might be able to play guard. Um, so uh, Darnell How Wright, you do that. That tells me he's not good enough to play tackle. Well, hold on. I, I'm I'm saying he's good enough to play right tackle. So Darnell Wright out of uh, Tennessee is I think he's one of the safer picks, but he they tried him at left tackle in Tennessee. He did not hold up very well. High floor, now, low ceiling. Yeah, I, I, I now, love this kid. He's I one think, of the few I've actually seen. Now the floor there is like probably you know average to above average ten year starter, really good run blocker. He's going to hold his own and pass protection. I do worry overall like he did not like his tape at left tackle, not pretty. Now I I know again. Uh, this is one of those Madden, you know, like realities versus actual reality. You can't just go in, change the the position on, on you know paper, and go up. Oh, everything's the same. Yeah. Um, or he got better. It's not how it works, right? Um, you know, I think we've talked about offensive linemen. Uh, it might have been Jeff Schwartz who said, um, or maybe it was Joe Thomas, one of them, one of the big guys who's out there on social media a lot. He says it's kind of like learning to wipe with the, with the opposite hand. Was it Mitch? Um, so it's not as easy as as that. Uh, so, you know, credit to, to Darnell Wright. But I think some of the other things is when he was, you know, paired up against teams, you know, best pass rusher, uh, the more athleticism, you know, that, that struggled some – struggled a little bit. Now, he has room to grow, and he has, you know, there's – you know, we talk about the high floor. Like, I think he's going to be a, a solid NFL tackle. There's some people who are really high on him, and that's fair. I think he's got Lewis some of really the stronger – yeah, he's got some of the stronger hands in the in the class. Like once he gets your hand, his hands on you, good luck. Um, but yeah, I, I worry about his, you know, his have, lateral agility and that type Garrett, of thing. Garrett, but, is it me or did have we heard that description of a tackle before? Fairly recently, playing tackle for the Chiefs, that this fan base threw an absolute temper tantrum about over the last two years. Sounds like mm. sounds like. Sounds like somebody that we would definitely know might be playing for Cincinnati this year. Maybe. I mean, I think I think that's just I'm just, just the description you just hey, gave is right tackle. speed rush. But when maybe you get you, when he gets his hands on you, maybe if you play him at the done. right position, well, yeah, maybe he might be okay. He might well, be okay and here so here's the other thing about Wright that was a little confusing. Like his arms were just a little shorter, 33 and three quarters. Most of the time you want him at 34. Um, his hands are small at nine inches. So it's, it's interesting, but I, I think he has the potential to start um, the other one. Boxes does he check on the Andy box? Mm, about that. <laughs> Not a ton of them. Not, I mean, I think he could play guard. Darian Kennard, who they drafted last year. Yeah. So allegedly, well, you, you brought up Orlando Brown. Let's talk about uh, Orlando Brown's older brother. <laughs> uh, and that's exactly what he is. Uh, well, not not exactly, but Dewan Jones at Ohio State. Um, yeah. Listen, we knew this kid was big, uh, <laughs> and he still exceeded expectations. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what they fed this kid growing up, but I'm other not. Other children? I, yeah, other children seems about right. Um, so let's, let's – okay. Uh, Orlando Brown. All right, big guy, big tackle. Let's let's talk about his uh, his size. So Orlando Brown was listed at six foot eight, three hundred and forty five pounds, thirty five inch arms, 
Does anybody believe the 345? Hold on. This is his combine. So Orlando Brown has 35-inch arms with nine and three-quarters hands. Dewan Jones, also six foot eight. He was listed at 374 pounds. His arms, 36 and three eighths. His arms, an inch and a half longer than so Orlando can, Browns. He can touch you from three yards away, is what you're he, telling. He's going to be able to line up at right tackle and still, and probably he could probably snap the ball to Patrick Mahomes from right tackle, and it still be under center. Yeah. Um, his hands, his hands are eleven inches and five eighths. <laughs> so he he literally okay. has. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, guys, big boy, I, I, big boy. I, I would hand, I would give you a visual representation, but I literally don't have a cooking pan sitting next to me. <laughs> that's I mean that's really so. Um, here's the wild thing though. Ran faster than Orlando Brown at the combine. I don't know that that's wild. Didn't Orlando have one of the he worst had historically one of the worst scores in the history of ever. athletic testing? No, he did. Yeah, he didn't run very well. He ran five three five. Uh, Dewan Jones did, and Orlando was five eight five. If you get if you get close to that six second mark, people. I mean, five three five um, for three. Five three five for three seventy five isn't or, so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, listen. So is it? So do we have a RAS score for him? Uh, that's a great question. Um. Yeah, look it up. Because I know Orlando that, was hilariously historically bad. So like he doesn't have let's to, let's uh, talk about well, just real quick. Gotcha. Let's just talk about um. So mock draftable, great database that shows you compares you know everybody. So um, I'm gonna give you the percentiles where he um. Actually, let's do this to all alignment. Um. Oh, so of sounds- all. O lineman for as far back as this goes, right? So the way this works is the percentile you want to be in the higher percentile. Higher is better. Um, that means you're at the you're at the top of that category. So when they six, measure eight, children, they measure them in the 99th and hundredth and hundred and fifth mm-hmm. or eightieth percentiles. They don't you don't you want bigger numbers, not smaller. Yeah, six eight and a quarter. That is good for a 98th percentile. Mm-hmm. 374, that's a 99 percentile. Again, that's probably not the best. They probably want him to play a little lighter than that. Wingspan at 87 and 7 eighths. So he's almost 80, at 88 what? inches. His wingspan official is 87 and 7 eighths. So 88 inches. Um, 98th percentile. Arm length, 36. 98? Who else's arms are that? <laughs> uh, Bigfoot. 30. 36 and 3 98 percentile. Right. His hand side at 11 and 5 eighths, 99 percentile. Yeah, um, I was and, waiting for that one. Yeah, so um, he is one of the biggest people to ever come into the feet. NFL. Yeah, one of the biggest people to ever come into the NFL. Um, with him, the weight, I think, is going to be something that you want to watch because I do think he's got some bad weight on him. Um, he's a guy that I would definitely want to make sure that you have some good nutritionists and he's following a, a pretty healthy diet. Um, you know, I, so he gets a lot of hype. Um, he played at Ohio state. Of course he does. Yeah. Well, I think here's the deal. I, I liked him when I watched it. Okay. And 
Oh, we liked it. I, I Tom froze up on you guys. Oh, Sorry about that. Turn. I'm back. You're good. You're back. No, that's we actually not my internet. It's my graphics card. internet reception on this show <laughs> where all of us get to have it happen at once. Yeah. No, that wasn't my internet. It's my graphic card that's slowly uh, slowly dying. Just a, just a good time to mention yeah. that we're going to uh, you know, start some, some things. And if you want to donate to the funds to help me keep my graphic card alive, <laughs> uh, greatly appreciated. The uh, OnlyFans links in the content yeah. or in the podcast episode description. So, Tom, so, here's my question about Dewan Jones. Obviously, yes. you compared him to Orlando Brown Jr., but he's yeah. playing the right side. Yeah. So that's a positive, right? I mean, that's that's a huge a way thing. More natural position. Uh, yeah. What is where is he getting drafted at exactly? He is. He's going to be a first rounder. Um, I would be, I would be shocked if he makes out of the first forty picks. He, he mm, I, I would be shocked if he falls out of the first round. The, again, different teams view him. Um, again, based on what you ask out of your tackles. The interesting thing with Kansas City is we've seen them work with a guy very similarly in Orlando Brown, um, and I think the benefit there is him not being on the blind side. Um, you know, the, the only, the big concern is going to be his ability to move in space. Um, now on tape, you don't have to move that far, but you can reach halfway across the field. (laughs) You can just lean into it. Um, so there's, there's some benefits there. I, like I said, I think he carries some bad weight. I think he could slim down a little bit and not like, you know, um, not lose power. I think he's got, you're telling me a guy that's 375 has a little bit he could trim off and still be pretty freaking strong, really? Well, well, hold on now, because like you got to understand, because I'm you got to look at these body types, right? Because there's guys who are 350, 360, all that stuff who are just like yeah. Are, look at no. the other guy they signed to play the other tackle spot who looks like he's cut out of stone at 340 or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Dewan Jones, I haven't seen him shirtless. Um, hmm. actually, hold on, let me google this. Forget shirtless, uh, <laughs> dude in the suit jacket after he signed the we're, I'm talking about the guy they just signed from the Jaguars, by the way, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jawan Taylor, Jawan Taylor, the guy he looks like if you googled body like bodyguard in a suit, you'd find a picture of that dude standing there after he signed that contract. Like, that dude is. I, just, a fit human at 340 pounds. I I need you. I, I, I'm. This is live reaction in the show. I'm sending you guys a, a this in the chat. Yes, it is a picture of Dewan Jones playing basketball in high school. He that was six nine three sixty. Terrifying. Is a There's a picture. There. There's a picture. <laughs> I could you imagine being in high school? Like, hey, you see that guy? Yeah, the one that looks like a Sasquatch. No <laughs> yeah, I need you to stand in the paint and go with him. Um, yeah. But I still would say I think that there's some bad weight around the waist that he can lose. Um, you know, he. I, I think that he does better oh. than some people give him credit for, um, just in terms of like getting yeah, to was- angles and reach blocks. <laughs> Okay, so who Who's we talked about these two right? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah, yeah. is the answer, but um, exactly. okay, the picture so is some dude like three feet over his head. I, that's yep. crazy. Yep, and he's like okay. slouched over and still taller than him. It's wild. Um, so Dewan Jones, fun option. Dewan Jones, right? right tackle only. Um, so now, 
So we got two Probably... guys, right? We got a whole nother list. We got we got some more oh, options, yeah. obviously. Yes. Yeah, yeah. we got three minutes into it. Yeah. Sorry, the Dewan Jones is is a real is a real. Yeah, thing. I like so Dewan let's... Jones. I'm I'm really on board with this Dewan Jones team. I'm not. Going so to... you're fine with him at any point in the first round? Uh, at 31, I would be fine. I wouldn't want to move up for him. I think 31 is a great is a pretty good value for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so because that was my let's... only question because I think they're moving up. So I don't think any pick is happening at 31. So I listen. I think they might be moving up too, and I think it might be for a receiver that Garrett doesn't like. But let's not talk about it. So, so Paris Johnson Jr. at Ohio State is like the bizarro version of Dewan Jones. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr. does have versatility. He's got experience at right tackle, but he is uh, he's a guy that's going to play left tackle in the pros. He's got the athletic ability to do it. He's got the size to do it. Uh, One-year starter at left tackle, so there's a little bit of projection. Um, also no slouch in his own right, right? He's got 36 and an eighth inch arms at six, six. So also a massive span that helps. Uh, I think that he moves really well for his size. Um, I, I haven't final finalized my, my tackle ratings, but he's probably going to be top two and not number two. So, um, that's, it's hard because he's got one year tape, um, but all the tools are there. That guy, huh? you could project him and go, yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a guy who who plays uh, left tackle in the NFL. Uh, another guy I want to bring up is uh, Broderick Jones out of Georgia. I don't want to say similar to Paris Johnson Jr. because I think Jones is a little bit smaller, a little bit um, his arms are a little shorter. And I think he is probably got a little bit more to go um, in terms of his technique. So that's the one thing I, I preach about Johnson is um, he, for a one-year starter, he looks, you wouldn't guess that he was a one-year starter. I'll say it that way at left tackle. Um, Jones is fun. He gets a little over aggressive. Sometimes I've seen him overrun blocks. Um, I've seen him get kind of out of, out of position um, and just kind of needs to, um, do better at, uh, at taking the right angle to get to a block. And then I, both those guys, I think are going to have to, you know, work on adding some muscle. Um, I, I think Jones is a little like stronger at the point of attack, but Jones, but, uh, excuse me, Johnson definitely has the edge in terms of the overall athleticism and, uh, the skill set, uh, to be there. So, um, two other guys, one guy that, uh, should be dropping here in the next 20 to four to 48 hours. Right up wise is, uh, Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. I am struggling with him. I honestly, pronunciation or? <laughs> honestly, and this is where, uh, when you're doing this, this kind of stuff, you listen to other people, right? You scout with your ears and your eyes. My ears and eyes on this guy is, are probably more conflicted than anything else because I watch him. And I'm like, that's that's OT1. Like, that is the guy that I want in my off. Like, I want him in my offensive line room. I want him running people over. He has um, the demeanor of a bulldog. And he just. Where'd he go? Gosh, he wrecks me. Northwestern. That's right. Um, yeah. I mean, his last name is Skaronsky. He sounds I mean, like he. He sounds like he knows how to murder people. Well, Just like was born the way with they that. Play football at Northwestern and kind of we talked. You talked earlier about 
what tackles and what players are asked to do in certain situations and scenarios. And the way Northwestern plays football, I don't know if you guys are familiar with where Northwestern is located, but it's not exactly warm during football season a lot. <laughs> is it in the Northwest? <laughs> so um, they – and they play out west, obviously. Yes, Gary. Maybe even it's in the north. In the northwest. It's, it's out there in the pack in that general vicinity. And, yeah. and those boys, um, Oregon and Oregon State, a lot of speed rush guys, right? A lot of fast edges. Kyle, Northwestern? Plays in the Big Ten, but is up in that area. Or am I mixing there? Are they in the wrong, am I in the wrong conference for them? I have no uh, idea where Northwestern's at, honestly. Could not tell you. Gentlemen, Northwestern is in Illinois. No. Northwestern Which, oh, Illinois. It's in I know Evanston, Illinois. I know which team I was thinking of. Yes, I was mixing conferences. That's Not that Washington team. That's up there that plays that football. It's Kyle's football with those purple, This is purple how much and me and Kyle pay yeah. attention to college no, football. No, it's, it's the purple jerseys and the similar play styles that yeah. got me there. But so, Northwestern, no. <laughs> what they asked Gronsky to do is, is no, that nasty, but, but gritty, you were nasty still right. tackle and deal with speed guys. Yeah, fall and winter in uh, in North Chicago area. It's a Not a pretty time. Gross. So, um. Yeah, so my eyes on Skronsky, I'm going, that's like... Why are your e- What are the ears saying, then? The ears are saying his arms are too short to play tackle. Okay, so we're in and the measurement section of this conversation. Of draft historically, Manusha. that is tracked. His What's his arm, arm length? 32 and a quarter. Ooh, okay. That's typically, that's small. typically yep. I don't care about measurable stuff for the most part. But when we go to extremes outside of the norm, which is what that is, because if I'm not mistaken, it's like 33 and a quarter is the benchmark bottom. Right? No, 34 is pretty. I mean, like there's some that are like, like, um, give me 30. The guy who came out of Northwestern a couple years ago, uh, Rashawn Slater. I think Later. he's, I think he was 33 and a half. Yeah. So I said was, like 33 and a quarter. I remember moving. everybody screaming and throwing a fit about his mm-hmm. arm length. And I'm like, yeah, that kid still isn't an alien though. So I don't know if that yeah. matter. And his were close. That's an um, inch and a half, almost two. Yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, there's there's some guys recently. A little, you know. How good is his technique to combat those issues? It's pretty good, but he's not he's not on the level of um, of Rashawn Slater, right? Not watching Rashawn Slater was a little hands bit, at yeah, this moment. Was a little bit better of a tackle. Um, now, no, there's there's some outliers. You know, Bernard Raymond, who's a tackle for the Colts. He was at thirty-two and, and seven eighths, so that's still oh, closer to thirty-three. Yeah, and and it's and it's wild to think of it that way, you know, because it's like, is it really that big of a difference? What uh, is the NFL? I think it is. I a think matter it is. of a game of a game of inches. inches. Yeah, this is um, catchphrase. So yeah, um, I'm looking here. I'm just scrolling through. It's it's hard to find guys with. Is that with the only problem? Everything else checks. Everything else, like I said, if if it was not for the fact that his now, um, so does that mean he we can get him in like the second? No, he's probably still gonna be around one guy. Here's here's the best way it's been described to me, and this is where I, I've heard that I felt like the narrative has shifted a lot since the combine. I think NFL teams see it this way: Peter Skaronsky is probably a blue chip player at guard and a red chip player at tackle. So it's like. Um, there was a guy who played for the, the Washington, uh, they're now the commanders. They were not the commanders when he came out. Uh, Brandon Scherf. Yeah. That's who it was. Um, sure. He was a guy. A long career. 
Very good player. He was a guy that when he was coming out, people wanted to play him at tackle. There was a conversation there. Um, his arms. Didn't he become one? Of, isn't he going to end up probably in the hall as a guard? Because wasn't he on the all-decade he, team? He was really good. So his oh, arms nice. coming out were 30. up on the all-decade team. Yeah. So his arms coming out were 33 and three-eighths. So his arms were longer. So it's yeah. – and he went fifth overall. Um, now, it's it's hard. It's a, it's a tough break in that sense. I – I look at Skaronsky this way. You draft him. You play him at right tackle. If he doesn't work out, in a couple of years when Joe Tooney moves on, Mr. Skaronsky, I need you to just doot, 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 over to guard. And now you continue to have all pro, probably caliber level play there. So I didn't mean I, to end Brandon's career before it did. He's still currently playing at a very high <laughs> level. Uh, that's not, yeah. I wasn't trying to end your career, Brandon. I think you're a very good player. You should probably keep playing, seeing as how you have five Pro Bowls and an All Pro in seven years of your career. So I would suggest yeah. you keep doing that and you'll be in the Hall of Fame. I say he got a he got a contract <laughs> the same year we signed Joe Tooney, I think. So, yeah. 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 Jacksonville gave paid him so, to come down there from Washington and be their guard. So yeah, exactly. So yeah. here's my well, question here. They have him as an O lineman because I think the Jags and Peterson do what we saw them do. We talked about it with when we we talked about them with the Jawan signing. He played some snaps on left on the left side of the line, not necessarily as the tackle, but as the over tackle. So like mm-hmm. they moved guys around over there, did a bunch of weird stuff. But and that's okay, so a, my question here for for this offensive tackle conversation. Obviously, all these guys, some real blue-chip players, some real high-quality guys that are probably going to be first-rounders. Do we see the Chiefs realistically going tackle in the first round? Is I that, I mean, that's probably a safe pick at best, right, if the board doesn't fall the way they want. I think it depends I on how the board Brett's falls. going to let the board fall any way that he doesn't want because I think when he gets to the point where he sees the guy that he wants at a certain spot, he's just going to pull the trigger and do it. I don't think it's going to matter, really. If they they for me, I think they've probably got two or three names circled at, at a variance of positions, and whichever guy is available at the at the value spot they think he, they can get him, they'll do it. Yeah, and I don't know that tackle is on their list of we need to take that in the, in the first, first round. round. Exactly. I think maybe maybe you look in the second round, see if some guys they've fall shown they have an unwillingness to go first round and for that unless they're trading for a known commodity. They like yeah. the only the last time they went tackle in any kind of the first round or a offensive lineman really in the first round was Eric Fisher and it's because that was the only option in that draft. draft class pretty, pretty high draft class yeah I th- I think that this is again a little bit different because um, still can't I'm still so glad they you, draft with Jokel Jesus yeah you have a lot of talent here even so there's some other guys that, and we won't get into them we'll, we'll drop some reports on. At least two of them, uh, Anton Harrison and, and Matthew Berger, on there on the schedule. Uh, Harrison's actually already written up, so you'll see those guys come through on the the Kingdom Building uh, reports. But there's, I mean, there there's one, two, three, four, five, six guys that could six tackles that could go in round one, um, and probably seven guys that'll go in the first fifty picks or so. Um, are there that many teams with the offensive lineman needs that are going to yank positions like that? Or is this just I, a case yeah. of everybody needs linemen all the time and they're just going to draft them because they're good and available? Everybody needs linemen all the time. Um, so, that is true. 
That is true. There and, and there's some there's some guys later in the draft, not as exciting. The good news is right tackle isn't as big of a need, but I think that one of the benefits is if you if the board falls and let's say a guy like Broderick Jones is sitting there, or let's say a guy. Um, so the other thing about I'll say about like Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, um, those two guys. The, there's some conversation on who's actually you know some teams prefer one to the other. Um, Peter Skaronski is going to be a fights, right? Yeah, I mean it's gonna it's all going to be about flavoring, right? Um, if Paris Johnson, I think he's probably going to be a top fifteen pick, top twenty. Um, I would be really surprised if he fell. I mean, you know, unless unless he pulls a Laramie Tunsil. Would he go in the top ten, lineman wise? <sighs> Skaronski has a chance. Johnson has a chance. Jones has an outside chance. Um, again, if a team likes Jones more than. I would say at least one of them will go in the top ten, uh, more than likely. If they don't, though, that's good. That's new, good news for Kansas that's City. Why I was again, if one of those guys top ten, that means that there's a good chance that at least one or two of those guys slides into that twenty-ish, twenty-two, twenty-three-ish yeah. range where Brett Veach is like, "Yeah, that's fine, far enough. We can go there." Yep, I'm going to go up and grab you know Broderick Jones, or I, I really do like the idea of if if Peter Skaronsky falls far enough. Now, here's here's what's probably going to happen, because this just feels like, this feels to me like something that's going to happen. I feel like Peter Skaronsky, just in my soul, I feel like he's going to end up on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's going to be an all-pro guard for the next decade with them. That just feels right in my soul. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, we I don't want that to happen. But we were in the same division. Right. My mind went Ravens because they're revolving now door at tackle and some of the issues they have and guys yeah. weren't traded and guys getting hurt. Something's going to yeah. reach for sure. No, Skaronsky is a guy who I think just okay. – like. that's a stealer at heart. But I'd love to go grab a guy like that. And, you know, again, so, with – with the need at wide receiver, everybody wants to talk about like, you know, one way to offset that is man, just give Patrick Mahomes ten seconds to throw the ball every time. Because uh, even if, even if you even if you run a four point eight, he'll get down. They'll get down there in time, and then it's just you know, chuck it up to Jody Forston in the end zone. And we that is a good team building <laughs> strategy. Just um, the offensive line, let the quarterback do the work. So to transition us, because we just spent a whole bunch of time talking about the guys protecting him, a quarterback. Yes. Mm-hmm. I watched and. This is going to lead us into the D-line conversation. You guys talked ends, and I'm sure you probably talked B.J. Ojolari. We did, and he is the first one to get our uh, very coveted scouts pick back. So i got to ask then, how did you feel about watching what he did at his pro day today? He was injured. <sighs> I hamstring, I believe. Was, was that, that reported? Because I didn't see that. All I saw were the three clips of oof. There was, yeah, there was I something was up. Thing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, let me let's do a live a live look because i'll um, say this his tape says volumes and i'm not one that worries too much about the underwear olympic stuff too much but okay so he is doing doing, hold on he is dealing with a hamstring injury i feel better now because i was like Uh, what in the world is happening yeah he said that as pro did today he's doing the hamstring coming off that re-aggravated it two weeks ago Um, so that makes me feel a lot better. Dear God, watching that footage, I was like, what what happened? What's wrong? I I didn't get to dig into it, but watching that, like I could have ran that L that that L drill better. And I'm Uh, that's that is exactly what I was like. I I can run that better and faster and crisper than that. What is happening? Yeah, yeah. And I think in I think in that scenario, like 
guys understand like hey like you know i, I think one of the things that um, i'd rather him not full send it if he's coming off a hamstring reag two weeks ago i just wanted to i hadn't seen any reports or anything all mm-hmm. i saw was all of that video footage of him looking like he was either a mailing it in or b something was very wrong well I, and, yeah you could tell something was up now i'll say this though um jim Nagy, senior the guy in charge of the senior bowl um he yeah. tweeted out today that he, there's kind of some grumblings from NFL teams because a lot of guys are standing by their combine numbers that aren't very good. And, and I've seen that a couple times with, uh, uh, oh, goodness, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he ran like a four or five when people expect him to run the low four fours. And there's been a couple other guys. They just like, they're like, nah, you know, we're going to opt out of it. And, and there's some, some teams that really feel like, you know, this Why? is a process where you, yeah, like you should be exactly. doing as much as you can. Right, so, like, so, but I, I only ask why from that perspective to you because, like, what would be the mindset or the reasoning behind agent? Because remember, most of these dudes at this point have agents that are in their ear telling them what they should and shouldn't do mm-hmm. and how to go about this. So, from that look at it, why are these guys that you, I mean, you just said everybody's basically like, what is wrong with this time? Why did you run this? Mm-hmm. And they're standing with them. Why would they do that? Well, I think um, I think some of it, honestly, is the concerns of like if you're as long as you didn't put up like an Orlando Brown Jr. pro day Who kind care? of type of or type of numbers, right? Like where you're like your stock is completely tanked. I think that there's some concern about injury. Um, you know, I know a couple of years ago Jeffrey Simmons uh, got hurt during a, an event. There was. Um, even this year at the combine, uh, Andrew Voorhees at a USC tore his ACL. Um, there's another guy last year, uh, a defensive end, uh, Michigan, uh, Ojabo, oh. who was looking at like a first round pick who fell into the 50s because you know. So, I think if you are a so yeah, some of these guys are like first good. round guys, and it's like, what are you, you know, are you what are you gaining from it? Or if you, yeah, if this isn't going to get you into like the top 10 or move you up, just you know, be so average and don't screw it up. If, yeah, as long as you put a, an okay enough numbers to keep your status, like, you know, where you are, um, you know, it, it's just about where can you move the needle versus so are, are we you going to see a, a change of approach from players and stuff towards the combine? Because we've seen players opt out of the combine in numbers that we didn't mm-hmm. ever previously see. Yeah. I, I think that we're going to see some more changes to combines. One of the things that's really interesting, um, and I don't remember which conference did it, maybe the Pac-12, one of the conferences held like a regional pro day. Um, I think that was the Pac-12. Okay. Yeah, which I I think there there's some benefits to that. Um one of the challenges, one of the reasons why NFL teams love the combine in Indianapolis is actually not the testing. It's the medicals. It's a chance to sit down and have standardized reports and have their medical teams take a look at these kids. And we've seen that in the past where big things have been uncovered. I think that there'll be changes. I know a lot of teams are moving, even like, like we do the 40 yard dash and that, you know, for a lot of us, like casual people, a lot of teams have access to the like game day GPS numbers and That's those are way more, more. Yeah, those that no, those numbers are way more important because they're worried about game speed, not what you run on the track. Yep, um, but I, but I still think that there's a showmanship to it. I think there's a, a competitive mm-hmm. element to it, right? That they want to. But but again, as teams see or as agency, you know, players getting hurt in the pre-draft process. Because one of the other things is 
they they finish their college football season and these kids immediately start training specifically for these events. Yeah, and so you know, you're you're. I mean, you think about it this way: you are trying to train your body to run the fastest forty you've ever run. Right, and there's a chance killing yourself. Also. Yeah, and and when you think about it, like that training and all that stuff, like that's where, um, you know those those non-contact injuries that we see on the football field that are concerning, um, you know, you, you have a, a high chance of that, or you have a solid chance of that. So um, go ahead. The only reason I would push back on that a little, the way that you develop, and this is because I was an athlete and I did a lot of these mm-hmm. warm up, warm up, worked out showcase tournament, you know, you play for eight months, nine months. And then after mm-hmm. the season's over, you show up for, two or three weeks after the year in three random cities and you play with a bunch of random people you never played with for at these camps for a week or two and you bust your and you kill yourself trying to play the best you've ever played to get picked up by a team somewhere else next year. It's the same concept. When Mm -hmm. you do that and you go to train to get ready for those, if you train incorrectly or if you don't have the proper people around you teaching you Mm -hmm. the proper techniques, the methods, the strategies, the issues, what to do and how to work those things. That's why I think, what Bobby is for Patrick is so heavily important to what they oh, it's, do. It's and, huge. and well, but if you look at the careers of guys like that, look mm-hmm. at Brady's career, look at some of these other guys that have had personal team, LeBron, different sports, LeBron and, and Jordan. Now Jordan is a little different. He was his own animal. He worked himself kind of that way. But a lot mm-hmm. of these guys spend, you know, a million dollars. LeBron's famous. He spends a million dollars a year on his body, mm-hmm. medical and workouts and training and, and, doing it the right way. And I think a lot of the reason that we see a lot of the injuries that we see pre-draft, there's a thousand of these kids trying to get ready for this draft. There's not a thousand personal trainers that are good enough to train NFL athletes. And it's not a shot. It's just the facts. If there were, you wouldn't have 32 of them that are on training staffs in leagues. And that's the only 32 guys with that job. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So when these kids are killing them and that agents, Mm -hmm. This transition that falls on the agents to find the proper yeah, trainers. Exactly. And if the agents mailed it in or just finds a friend or knows a guy, then you're in trouble. So yeah. I think the thing that we're going to see and the reason I wanted to bring the combine stuff up and that, that drill up is because what we're going to start seeing is the teams like the combine for two things, really the medicals and all the networking behind the book dealing conversations in the bar at three o'clock in the morning that we hear about where all the news reporters get their sources and all the information gets shared and all that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Free agency, a lot of the topics and conversations and feeling out of how free agency is going to go takes place the week of the combine. Yeah. So those are the reasons the combine is important. And I think mm-hmm. the underwear Olympics side of it's going to fade some and you're going to see it be more of the, They'll have the two or three, you know, the bench, the 40, the stuff that draws the mm-hmm. attention. But the rest of the stuff's going to be the, the interviews and the mental conversations, mm-hmm. the, the conversations and the whiteboards and the and the yeah. meds and all that stuff. So from that aspect, when you look at that, that's why I wondered how much you, BJ having that kind of a pro day. And not now that we know he's injured and it wasn't just a decision yeah. thing. But we've seen some guys make just the flat out decision, as you said. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to see if make sure we touched on that part of it. Yeah. I think it's important to factor in when people because you can go look at our escorts. Mm-hmm. Everybody on listening to this podcast has the Twitter app. They know mm-hmm. where to find Math Bomb. We've talked about him enough. Mm-hmm. You can go look at all that and have, oh, this guy's not even gonna he may not do this or that. Cause well, why didn't he do yep. that? Yep. 
Yeah, Lesko's qualifying for, and again, it's it's a measured approach, um, and I I understand it again from a, a draft standpoint. If you're the agent and you're going, hey, you're projected to be a top ten guy. Um, now, like I said, the the pushback is the NFL teams they're starting to take notice and they're going, you know, how competitive is this guy? How you know is it totally fair? No, um, but. You know, it's it's a chance for if you're you think about it, if you have two guys on your board who are close, and you see one guy who you know goes out and looks good in the underwear Olympics, like, like that's gonna effort. you know yeah yeah goes out and busts uh, his ass, kills himself, yep. really gives it, and then one guy that goes eighty percent and you can tell yeah goes, oh I'll do that. My... Well, and you also have to remember this: these pro days, you know, these teams spend money to go down to these pro days, right? Everybody's at the combine, but not I'll everybody waste my goes time. to these pro days. So you could you imagine, you know. If you're if you're scouting Bryce Young and Bryce Young, you know we knew he wasn't going to run at the combine because he was eating as much protein as he could that week to get his weight up, um, and then you get down to Alabama's pro day and he's not running there either, right? Yeah. And you're like, crap! Like I wanted to get a time on this kid. Um, now, obviously, Bryce Young has got enough tape; you're not going to worry too much about that. But again, if you if there are two guys on your board that are really close, you know, and one of them runs and one of them doesn't gives you a little bit of perspective you know especially for i mean we talk about the top stars yeah they have enough tape but for those yeah day two day three guys like that from anybody after pick 20 pretty much or 15 like that you're fighting for for some of those for some of those guys i mean that's the difference between actually getting drafted or being an undrafted free agent like you Mm -hmm. yeah and that's how i wonder if we're going to see a lot of the top guys that are basically locked into spots go away from attending the combine and attending doing some of this pro day stuff and have it be left to the guys that are in picks basically 20 to the rest of the draft that really battle it out for that combine stuff. Yeah. Well, I also think Dangerous that... risking, though, that a guy like that mm-hmm. earns his way up into that top 20 conversation. Well, but even though if they do, if they do, the guy that, you know, that he bumps drops one pick or two picks, it's not like he's well, dropping out of the circus. Well, let's look at Nolan Smith, who's like the... And he's an edge player, so we'll transition back. But, oh, like, probably had the best overall combine performance of anybody... In Indianapolis, right? How is he a top ten pick now? I don't know. That no. It changes the thing. Is he a top twenty pick? Mm, maybe, maybe to some people. I, I don't. I honestly, I could see him going twenty to, to fifty. Right? He He's could be anywhere in that range. Is he playing? Yeah, and but that's the same. That's the same. Um, pretty much the same spot where we had him. He might have bumped up a little bit, you know. But I think the other concerns is you talk about you know size, and, and I was. Um, is he an outside play. linebacker, or is he a D end, or is he a middle linebacker? He's he's, he Hass- he's Hassan Reddick. Safety. That's, that's who yeah. he is. He's undersized. You're gonna put him in. You he's, know, you need to play him out wide. You got to let him grow into some play strength. Um, he, he plays the run really well. His pass rushing is raw. I I think a team's gonna be disappointed. I think he's gonna get overdrafted. I think a team's gonna be disappointed in him. If the Chiefs took him at 31, that's about a comfortable spot for him. Now. If the Chiefs took it at 31, I would assume that Steve Spagnolo has either been fired, is vacationing somewhere in a country that doesn't have cell phone reception, um, so you're telling me or it's spag type. has started using drugs. Like he's, um, he's the farthest thing from a spag. He is the A yeah. of spag type. Yeah, he would like I said, if that were I would be afraid that somebody is holding Steve Spagnuolo hostage and that Spags, Bob Sutton you, is if you get to a certain weight, you could tell Spags he weighs a buck ninety-five and it wouldn't matter because that dude is nowhere near Spags's build type, measurables, none of that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about two guys 
who are both not Spags DNs, right? Mm-hmm. BJ Ojolari, Nolan Smith. Are there anyone that are there? Are there some? Is closer than people think. Um, I think I talked about this last week. Miles Murphy is a guy to watch. Who's yeah, we talked about Kyle's talking about like that yes. straight up. Murphy's kind of slowly falling down the board. Um, going back and looking at what how Clemson Clemson's got a weird defense man, and and they had you know I, we talked I think a little bit about Brian Brzee and the stuff he went through. I think he he wasn't at a hundred percent this season, uh, rightfully so. And so Miles Murphy was kind of on the you know out on an island. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, Spags guy. He, he literally is like he's like a little twitchier, a little more twitchier George Karloftis. Um, mm-hmm. You know that's. That's where I'm at with him. Um, there's two guys I need to get around to: Felix uh, DK Uzama, who's a local kid, Kansas local State. Kid, yeah. uh, went to Kansas Getting City. A lot of hype. Yeah, played at Lee Summit, I believe. Um, a little undersized, I think, for for where what Spags wants. Same thing. Will McDonald is a really popular name right now. I am not, and again, I will go back and look. I, I am not a uh, not a fan. Uh, necessarily of the fit, um, not not my favorite, um, not my favorite defensive lineman in this draft, um, at least on my so, initial. So go when through. you look through this, if if I had to give you between pick twenty five and thirty five, who's who are the couple of names that jump off the board that they might actually have a shot at or want in that area? Uh, Miles Murphy, Lucas Van Ness. Um, so this is an interesting one because I don't know if he plays edge. Um, and we've talked about him. This is one that I've been on for a while now, and you guys hopefully will. Um, he had he had maybe an even better combine than Nolan. Adetamiwa uh, Adeboare. Out of Northwestern, right? Um, Northwestern yeah. again. He's yep, a name so. that I've heard a ton about blowing up the draft stock because he's how how he performed. That's a guy that I think the combine helped quite a bit. It, it really did because he was not a he was like a solid second round guy, and now he's getting some second round height or first round height. Now he's shorter again, also a local kid. We've talked about him before, local kid, but his arms are almost thirty four inches. This this man's insane. This guy. At 282 pounds, 6'2", 282, right? 449, 40-yard dash. 1.61, 10-yard split. Uh, 37.5 vertical, 10.5 broad jump. 27 bench reps. Do you know who who his numbers compare to really well? That's ridiculous. Top quiz. Who do you think his number? Uh, I'll tell you you he went first round last, last year. Let's think of who went first round last year. Um, Not the kid from San Diego State. Devontae Wyatt? Jordan Davis? Uh, no. It would have been... The tough guessing game, Tom. You're leaving us hanging here. I, okay. I will, I will so tell you people. that this kid was uh, three inches taller and 10 pounds lighter. He ran 0.02 seconds slower. His 10-yard split was uh, 0.01 seconds slower. 
did not jump You're as high. You're not talking about Trayvon, are you? I am talking about Trayvon Walker, number one Jeez. overall pick. At that, 10 pounds heavier and three inches shorter, so you got shorter legs, right, in theory. Adeboire. All of the measurables. Adeboire. Well, out, let's put it like this. Him. So Trayvon has 35 and a half inch arms, 262 and 40 and ran a 451 at so two at 272. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, but how do they rush the passer? Do we know how he that? Does he have a pass rush? I mean, he had 33 and a half sacks. <laughs> with he they, they compared him to Alden Smith, who had 33 and a half. Trayvon had what did he have last year? It was tough because he was in Jacksonville with Josh Allen, but. Yeah. So here's the thing about Adeboire. It is, there were talks at the senior bowl that he was going to play defensive tackle. Then he shows up. My question. He had three and a half sacks last year. Yeah. Um, They used him. (laughs) He was the, he, he was the first ranked defensive end at the combine this year. Um, His production is a question, right? Um, But if you're sitting there at 31, and the board has been pretty rough. You could, I think, you could do a lot worse than taking a, a bet on a guy who has that those athletic traits. Because defensive tackle, defensive end, what is what does Steve Spagnuolo like to do with his defensive lineman? What have we what did we see do? What did we see Chris Jones do? I'm right? begging for NASCAR. You preaching to the Charles. <laughs> you, I mean, we've seen it with a bunch of. Could you, can you imagine that where you've got three guys moves inside and who are massive and you don't George know Carlopis. if he's coming from the inside, the outside, your left, your right, either, yeah. but you just pretty know that all, they're coming. Pretty much all so, the Chiefs D line has that versatility. I'm, right I now. am the more of them that look basically the same that he will use at any position, the better for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I do want to get into some other names just real quick as we run down. Um, these are probably guys I'll, I'll probably end up writing them up just for fun, but. Um, we've talked a lot about Keon White. His stock has cooled a little bit. There's, I think the biggest thing is he's an older prospect, and, and guys are going, okay, how much work are we going to have to do before we get a serviceable starter out of him? And then by that time, are we really going to want to give him a long-term deal? Um, well, and Derek, what, what system and how does he fit? Because he's a guy that I think fit matters too. Yeah, and he's a bigger guy. Uh, Derek Hall. Derek Hall just feels like somebody the Chiefs are going to want in the second round or could look at in the second or third round. Um, Zach Harrison, athletic freak, but I, I don't, I'm not there, man. I, I wanted to, I really wanted to, but, um, I don't even think his combine was that good, but he's, uh, I'm just, I want to, I want to like him six, six, two, or yes, two seventy four, big, long, strong, ah, uh, <laughs> looks like Tarzan plays like Jane kind of guy. Um, uh, those are always the worst, man. We, yeah. we have we the Chiefs cornered the market on that for a while at that position, yeah. and I would very much like them to stay away from any of those potentials. So, I would for me personally, I that would be an automatic pass on that guy yeah. just for that reason, and that's um, probably not fair to him. But hey, man, one more guy, one more guy, actually, maybe two more guys, one more guy. Um, Older prospect, probably a day two guy. I would prefer him in round three over round two, but I understand where the Chiefs, you know, where everything may fall. It might be you've just got to take him there. Uh, Byron Young out of Tennessee. 
older player. I think he's 25. Uh, the name I was expecting to come out of your mouth. Really? Um, again, why? Sh- why? <laughs> the dude's got the juice. He's got the um, juice cow. He, and again, this is like a guy, if he's there at the end of the round three and you're going to bring him in as a rotational guy, do it. Um, I must, I need to go he, rewatch. So his story is really interesting. Um, graduated high school, didn't play football for 18 months, was managing a Dollar General, um, got pulled into a, a junior college, Georgia military college, seven sacks, and was a top 15 ju- JUCO re- recruit. Um, then he lost the season to COVID. Then he went to Tennessee, and he put up solid numbers. Um, la- this oh, yeah. last year, he took a step forward. The thing with Young, like – you you see splash plays and I and I don't think he's maybe an every down guy at least not early in his career I think he could develop into one so we splash and vanish yep splash and then I just think he needs to learn the game needs to be around it like again we're talking about a guy who was playing juco ball two years ago and I hate to break this to you but this fan base is not a very big fan of um guys that changed positions later in their careers in college or that's why it's really like time to develop they just crucified one that left for New York. So, yeah, taking day two, little lower. Well, I guess that's not fair too, because um, so it's hilarious to remind people that Travis um, Kelsey didn't play tight end until he was like a junior in college either. Yeah. So uh, another guy I'm going to take a hard look at is Isaiah McGuire out of um, Missouri. Missouri. There's some other guys. Uh, See, you're just trying to play to the nice people of this podcast <laughs> fan base because now you've so Listen. far we have mentioned. K-State, local, another local, and now a Missouri kid? Good Lord, Tom. Well, how about no, Isaiah McGuire, I, I've heard there's some people who I respect. Uh, yeah. Joe Marino from the, the Draft Dudes is, is a big Isaiah McGuire fan. I Honestly, I'm, I'm going to be real. I haven't taken a deep look at him. I've probably seen two dozen snaps, um, you know, just in highlights. Um, the There's some other guys that have popped up that I think are, are going to be names to watch but those are the big ones early on that that fit for for what spagnola looks like um right. one of the things that you know and I'll, I'll i know we're close to an hour mark so we're we're gonna wrap i'll wrap with this because i know i've been talking a lot i think as much as we were talking about wide receiver right now this is not a great wide receiver draft class the chiefs have other legitimate needs and i think if you can't get that wide receiver figured out it's always good to protect your quarterback but also, you have opportunities to grab Miles Murphy if he falls into the twenties. I think he he's a guy who who has a potential. This is a guy who last year this time I would have been talking about him as a top five potential pick. I was he was in the conversation with Will Anderson. Clemson defense as a whole took a step back last year. They had a coaching change. I still think that athlete is there. Um, Lucas Van Ness again. You get a guy very similar. Um, for better or worse. I, I think his upside, his athletic upside is a little, I hate saying that because George Karloff is, is an athlete, but um, I, I just think there's, there's work like, there. Can and he then, pull himself up a double, double decker bus and bend the railing while he does it. Yeah. The, um, and then, like I said, you guys know, I love BJ Ojulari. I know there's some other guys out there in chiefs kingdom who are on that, but um, if you have an opportunity to shore up one of those, you know, the trenches, like you got to take it. Uh, even if you've got a, a, that need at wide receiver. And then, like I said, that's where you circle back to Odell or D-Hop or, or whoever else. you got to remember that there are got a lot of players who move after the draft, too. A lot of guys who get cut, a lot of, you know, movement. I mean, they look, 
All right. I'll wrap with this. I hate to be the bearer of bad news to the most majority of the Chiefs Twitter and kingdom right now that is absolutely dead set on them taking a receiver, but the likelihood of them taking a receiver in the first round is extremely low. The likelihood of them taking a receiver in any round in the first three rounds that is an immediate impact player is even lower than that. And I don't know how many times we have to learn this lesson with an Andy Reid offense, but rookies don't play in his offenses as wide receivers. Everybody and their mother was, including this podcast, was almost convinced Sky Moore was going to get a large set of targets by about week 10 this year. He caught his first touchdown pass in the Super Bowl when he was on the wrong side of the field. They ran the wrong freaking play. Right play, wrong formation. Like, yeah. it, look, Andy's offense is complex. So if I know everybody's upset and worried about wide receiver. The Chiefs aren't. They've shown you they will run Justin Watson and anybody else that they can out there. Marcus Kemp, freaking anybody. Else. They don't yeah. care. And it's because of 15. They're not worried about it. They have 87 and they have enough around it to be good enough to where they think Patrick can do it. So if they don't address wide receiver, will I be thrilled? No. But I won't be stunned be. that they don't. And I don't think it's happening in the first round. And you guys that do, I'm, I'm happy that you do. But I don't know, A, who you'd take. Because as Tom has mentioned, and we'll get into later on, there's not a lot in this class. And B, they have other needs. And if you're worried about long-term development of this roster, I don't think wide receiver is a position you need to develop long-term worry in because your quarterback doesn't necessitate needing long-term wide receiver death and development. So lock yeah. into these O-linemen and D-linemen that Tom's going to be dropping over the next week and these write-ups and whatnot. And really look at some of these guys because I think these are some serious options for what they're going to look at doing in this draft. Yeah, at least I'll early. wrap with this. Uh, pretty accurate. I think uh, wide receiver, I'd be pretty disappointed in seeing round one, especially with what uh, the options are on the table, unless, of course, Jordan Addison falls all the way to a respectable. <clears throat> I know range. you love Jordan, but Quentin Johnston? Is that nope, what you said? Not that you guy. might cut out. Quentin especially, Johnston? Especially not Twitter. He just Johnson, doesn't actually. fit. We'll get into this later. But uh, yeah, tackle. Even still, almost like a maybe a disappointing pick and maybe more of a safe pick. I feel like the big splash play for this draft uh, for the Chiefs, at least in round one, would be edge. One of the, I mean, you can never have too many edge rushers, and you always want to have a plethora of edge talent. So, either two edge OT uh, are going to be big needs for the Chiefs going forward into the draft. But like we've already talked about, kind of this offseason with the signings that they've made. Uh, and the kind of the current roster flexibility, they are very open. Like it is really going to come down to a best player available type deal at every pick uh, going through this this uh, this draft. Like there's no need to reach on anyone. There's Benefits no need of nailing to... two drafts in a row before this. Exactly. You are you are reaping the benefits of uh, building a successful franchise through the draft. So yeah, I mean, an arsenal of picks. That too. So we're going to talk a lot more about a lot other, a lot more positions uh, going forward through this draft process. We've got our ugly three mugs every time either. And won't we got some uh, some really great special guests that are that are going to be lined up here? Some draft experts that are going to come on, shoot with Tom. Uh, We also got some great content coming on uh, you know YouTube, TikTok, potentially a couple other places. Oh no, the TikTok is built. The Instagram is up. The everything is ready to go. You will have your content in all the manners you can get it. So be on the lookout for all that. Um, yeah, draft is about a month away here. We've got uh, Jesus. Yeah, we're less than a month to cover. 
we've got a lot to cover so thank you all for so much for tuning in watching if you're only watching you can listen to us on apple music spotify all that good stuff or you can watch us over at youtube the kingdom says podcast uh, be sure to follow us at kingdom says pod on facebook twitter and instagram and we will see you guys in the next one